Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths about faith. The conclusion of the Apostle is that the believer is to have a certain posture. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. The stand fast means to be stationary, steadfast, and unmovable. Persevere. Now, if God asks you to do something, it means He gives you the ability to do it, right? What is your posture in the faith? Are you giving up and withdrawing, or are you pressing forward? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. What makes you thankful? For some, it's a new car. For others, a promotion, a vacation, or perhaps just being together with family. No doubt, these are things to be thankful for. But Pastor Xavier says there's much more we ought to be acknowledging when it comes to our appreciation. Today, he reveals other significant reasons for gratitude as he digs even deeper into the book of 2 Thessalonians, exploring the simple truths of a thankful heart. Let's listen. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. And the message is entitled, A Thankful Heart. His thanksgiving is evident by three elements in verses 13 through 15. Let me read the text here. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Here's the three elements that the thanksgiving is characterized by. First of all, the expression of thanksgiving. Second, you have the explanation for the thanksgiving. And then you have the exhortation in view of the thanksgiving in verse 15. Notice, first of all, the person being thankful is who? God. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you. Paul and his poll laborers acknowledged the debt to God for the salvation of the Thessalonians. The Thessalonians stood in sharp contrast to those just mentioned who would follow the Antichrist. These have followed Jesus Christ. There's the contrast. Earlier in chapter 2, verse 10, those who did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Now here, those who have received the love of the truth, the Thessalonians. The agape love of God was due to the repentance from their sins. They were being beloved of God. They were the object of God's love and the recipients of the benefit of God's love as you and I. Stop and think of all that God has done for you, what He does every day. Look at the years back. Look at everything, the opportunities, the, 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 the understanding He's giving you, the peace of mind, the, the clearness of eyes so you can live your life without wavering, without being tossed to and fro with stability that stands fast. Where if you had not had Christ, there you go, before the grace of God, as I and everyone else. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. That is what we are to be characterized. The expression of thanksgiving was a personal obligation. Paul could do nothing else. Notice secondly here, the explanation for thanksgiving. First, in verse 13, the plan of God was manifested. That's one of the explanations. Because God, 
from the beginning chose you for salvation. This is the divine side. He is the emphasis. He is the one acting. The errorist tense makes it a past fact. Even as the apostle told them in the opening verse of the first letter, knowing, beloved brethren, your election of God. In 1 Thessalonians 1.4. In the mind of God, we're looking at the divine side. It's, it's done. You understand? If God should tarry, in the mind of God, the next generation that has not even been conceived, let alone born, are already saved. Can you handle that? <laughs> in the mind of God. He told Jeremiah, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. God's choosing is based on His foreknowledge. Never forget that. Peter says this in 1 Peter 1.2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Foreknowledge simply means to know beforehand. And God is the only one who has this attribute. Foreknowledge. Notice secondly here. The process of God is described still in verse 13. Through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. So now we're back to the divine first and then the human again. Beautiful balance. The method of God is setting apart the individual. The word sanctification, hagiasmo, means to set apart the context being prior to salvation. God begins to deal with the individual for salvation prior to salvation as they are exposed to the gospel. You, I, every one of us who are born again, heard the gospel somewhere, at a concert, a church, or a meeting, at a house, or somewhere. And God was already setting us aside so that we could hear, assess, and decide. John Wesley called this prevenient grace. As God began to move the individual towards justification for salvation. God begins to deal to move you towards the cross for decision. Once you're saved, now you are sanctified positionally in Christ. And practically, it will be fleshed out that you are a possession and a child of God. By your manner of lifestyle. The two work together. He's imparting sanctification before salvation. He imparts sanctification as positionally and practically for your life. He already spoke about it in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8, about concerning their sexual purity. He closes that letter with there to be completely sanctified, that the Lord sanctified them body, soul, and spirit, to be blamed before the Lord's coming. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. So, from this perspective, he's talking before their salvation, in preparation to be saved. When he wrote in the first letter, he talks to them as having been saved, now what they are to manifest as children of God. From two different perspectives. Now notice the means is twofold. By the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity who carries out the divine plan of God. No one carries out God's plan except the Holy Spirit. No one brings this plan to pass apart from the Holy Spirit. God uses men, women, but it's the Holy Spirit who does it. But not only by the Holy Spirit, that's the divine side. Notice this. By belief in the truth. Here's the human side again. Responsibility. The object of that state of belief is in the truth. Notice that. That which has a quality of truth as opposed to diluting 
heir of those who follow the spirit of Antichrist. Here's the contrast. They believe the deluded truth, which is a lie, and the Thessalonians had believed the pure truth of God's revelation. Not my own abilities to entrust myself to God on a mere intellectual decision, but my openness for the Holy Spirit to do a work, here it is, in my heart. He does it in my heart. Notice thirdly, the purpose of God's plan is revealed, to which He called you by our gospel, for the obtaining of glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, first for calling men and women by the gospel. The gospel is the good news of God. The way he has chosen to redeem mankind. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Romans ten seventeen. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. How will they hear there if no one's sent? And so God anoints people. God uses people to preach the gospel. He's chosen the foolishness of preaching. Not the preaching of foolishness. The foolishness of preaching to save mankind. And people laugh at it. People joke about it. But God has the last laugh. In fact, Psalm 2 says, I will laugh and I will look from heaven. I will laugh at them and have them in derision. I will destroy them. It is called the gospel of Christ in 2 Corinthians 9.13. It is called the gospel of God in 2 Corinthians 11.7. It is called the gospel of salvation in Ephesians 1.13. It is called here our gospel. Our gospel. Is this your gospel? Do you impart your gospel to others? Do you glory in our gospel? The gospel of Jesus Christ? So for calling men and women by the gospel. But notice secondly, for the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has chosen to impart to man the glory of His Son. Is that amazing or what? That He has chosen to impart to you His glory. The word Glory is doxa, and it has a wide application to Scripture. The basic idea is honor and dignity. You remember David? When God came to him and said, I'm going to build you out, what did he say? Who am I, Lord? What am I? Does that hit you every once in a while? Who am I that God would do all that he's done for me? And you just feel so indebted to God, just so overwhelmed. Just, Lord, you're so good to me. And it doesn't mean you have a perfect life going together. It doesn't mean that everything is right. It doesn't mean that there's no problem. It means that you are in awe of what God has done for you, excluding everything else. Have you ever thought that your life is full of problems and boy, this and that, and all of a sudden there's an emergency and all of a sudden your mom's going to the hospital, she's going to die, or your kids are going to hit or something like that. All of a sudden, with that little event, everything else doesn't matter, does it? That's what happened when God ministered to your heart and mind and we realize all He's done and we go, whoa, Lord, who am I? Everything else takes its proper place, doesn't it? It's insignificant. The Father's plan and Christ's desire is to share with man His particular honor and dignity of His life. God took His perfect life and put it in your place and mine. And God took your rotten life and my rotten life and put it in the Son's place. Whoa. God's desire is to change us. The glory from day to day by the Spirit of God. 2 Corinthians 3.18 To be transformed more like Him. Every day. You and I should demand change of our lives. If we don't, no one else will. 
When Christ is our life shall appear, then we shall appear with Him in glory. Colossians 3, 4 says. We'll be just like Him. Have you noticed something in these verses? We have the Trinity involved here. God, Lord, Spirit. The Trinity is involved in the salvation of every man. Corey Ten Boom, in The Hiding Place, related an incident that taught her always to be thankful. See, she and her sister, Betsy, I had just been transferred to the worst German prison camp uh, they had seen yet, uh, Ravensbrück. Uh, on entering the barracks, they f- found uh, an extremely overcrowded situation, flea-infested camp. That morning, the scripture reading was First Thessalonians. It had reminded them of rejoicing always, praying constantly, and giving thanks in all circumstances. Can you imagine turning your Bible reading, being in a German concentration camp that day? That? Betsy told Corey to stop and thank the Lord for every detail of their new living quarters. Corey at first flatly refused to give thanks for the fleas. But Betsy persisted. And Corey finally succumbed to her pleading. During the months spent at the camp, they were surprised to find out how openly they could hold Bible studies and prayer meetings without the guards interfering. It was only until several months later that they learned the reason why the guards would not enter the barracks. It was because of the fleas. Thankful for everything. God makes no mistakes. Parents, come on. Your kids and mine. You ask them to do something, you tell them to do other things, you say no to some things. I can't believe it, my parents are the same. You know, if I die, they really wouldn't. Yeah. But often we as Christians, I can't believe God put me in this situation. I can't believe why. How come so long? I can't believe it's all my life. And God just goes, Bless his soul. <laughs> are you thankful to God for his plan of salvation towards you? How about the process? Are you excited about the changes? Or are you griping and complaining always? John the Baptist told his disciples when they tried to make him complain over the ministry of Jesus. He said, he must increase and I must decrease. John 3.30. It's all about him. Not about you. Not about me. It's all about Him. Our light afflictions are but for the moment. And they can't even compare to the exceeding glory and weight that will be revealed and awaits us in 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18. Don't look at your eyes and the things that you see, but the things you don't see. The things you see are temporal, the things you don't see is eternal. How thankful are you to God for His purpose to bless you with all the glory associated with Jesus? Do you realize you get to hang out with Jesus? And he's perfect. And you and I aren't. I think Jesus is more excited about hanging out with us than we with him. (laughs) You have his spirit. You have his mind. You have his word. You have his promise that when you see him, you should be exactly as he is. His glory. Man. The explanation for thanksgiving was their salvation. Let's explain. Notice third and last here in verse 15. You have the exhortation in view of the thanksgiving. It's a conclusion. 
You can come to no other conclusion. There's a sum total of all that preceded. First, the conclusion of the apostle is that the believer is to have a certain posture. Here again is a human sight. Here we go. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. The believer is to stand fast. And the phrase, the stand fast, means to be stationary, steadfast, and unmovable. Persevere. Now, if God asks you to do something, what does it mean? It means He gives you the ability to do it, right? Because He's not the other confusion. You as a parent tell your kid, come on, come on, walk, walk, walk. But why do you ask him, though he hasn't taken a step yet? You know, he's been pushing up with his little legs. He's just going up and down. And you say, this sucker's going to take off. You didn't ask him to walk the first day you brought home from the hospital. Why? He didn't have the ability. But when you see he's starting to, you hey, come on, come on, come on. You, you get it. God says, come on, come on. You can walk. Come on, come on. No, no. Come on, you can do it. Come on, walk. <laughs> The phrase is in the present imperative and indicating continuing duty. They were to stand fast in view of the glory of Jesus to appear. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 They were to stand fast in view of the deception and persecution going on. Chapter 2 verse 2 Being able to stand regardless of what's going on. Difficult times. The Macedonian churches suffered greatly. Read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Poverty. All the wars took place there. But they were on fire. Now notice this posture of steadfastness has to be decided on by each individual who comes to Christ. Man's free will is never violated prior to salvation. We've seen that. But man's free will is never violated. Listen, after salvation. You have a free will before and after. You can choose to do anything you want. You could have stayed home and slept this morning. You can refuse to study the word of God if you want. You can refuse to be transformed. That's a heck of a lot of power. Man's choices are honored by God at all times. So be careful. God told Ezekiel, these guys have the nerve to keep coming to church and temple there. He says, and they keep asking of my will and they're doing all these horrible things. I know what I'm going to do, Ezekiel. You tell them I'm going to answer them according to their folly. I'm going to answer them according to their idols. Whoa. Now notice, secondly, the conclusion of the apostle is that the believer is to have certain passion. Secondly here, certain passion. So, not only, as he says here, that he's supposed to have a certain posture, but a certain passion. He says, hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. So, the believer is to hold the traditions that they were taught. And the word again here, hold, means to exert strength. Physically or mentally, to have a masterful grip on a thing. Hang on to it. Don't let it slip. The word tradition means to hand down. That's all it means. Somebody hands something down and you're supposed to keep it the way they hand it to you. Secure it. Now the context is vital for proper interpretation of human tradition. Why? Because human tradition is often contrary to what? God's truth. So we compare everything we hear to the word of God. Because the word of God is absolute truth for all generations. The tradition of the Thessalonians were to stand fast and to hold fast was the teaching they had received from who? From Paul, Timothy, Silas. They were to maintain the doctrine of sin and salvation, the doctrine of forgiveness, the doctrine of Christ coming with his church for his church. The doctrine of judgment, the doctrine of the Antichrist. All of this, all that they, he taught them, they were to hold, maintain. Like a soldier who's put as a sentinel to guard perhaps the barracks, 
to guard the, the, the ammunition, whatever it may be. And he has the authority, if anybody doesn't stop and identify himself, to shoot him. You and I are sentinels for the things of God. We do not let people violate the truth of God's word. We cannot force them to believe, but we certainly have the authority and we better not let them violate the things of God's word. They don't want to believe them, that's fine. We continue to pray. But I don't compromise with God's word. I don't change God's word. God's word changes me. Luther was called to recant his position at Rome. But he said this, quote, Unless I am refuted and convicted by testimony of Scripture or by a clear argument, since I believe neither the Pope nor the councils alone, it being evident that they have often erred and contradicted themselves, I am conquered by the Holy Scriptures quoted by me, and my conscience is bound to the Word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything, since it is unsafe and dangerous to do anything against conscience. Wow. Luther stood by the grace of God. He should have been a crispy critter. And Rome would have killed him if he wasn't the man for the time and the hour by God's choosing. He feared God more than man. What is your posture in the faith? Are you giving up and withdrawing or are you pressing forward? Remember what Peter said, elect according to foreknowledge of God the Father and sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling the blood of Christ, grace to you be multiplied. First Peter 1 Peter 1.2, that implies growth, moving forward. Not only that, but Paul says, I have not arrived, I press towards the mark, the price of God. I lay hold on that for which I was laid hold on, Philippians 3.12-14. We move on, we press forward. Are you clinging to the gospel? Or do you easily let go of it? The world would deceive you. The lust of flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. In 1 John 2.16. Sin will deceive you. Self will deceive you. You must be careful. Your posture and pursuit regarding the gospel will be the greatest evidence of your thanksgiving. Don't be moved away from the gospel, Jude 3 says. It's a warning. Don't forget to fight the good fight, Paul says. It's a good fight, 2 Timothy 4, 6, and 7. Put on the armor. And by the way, there's no armor in the back, so don't run. So when your husband and wife, make sure you're back to back. You're fully covered. Okay? And that, first of all, from your kids. <laughs> Remember that, parents. It's a whole different subject, but we won't get sidetracked. <laughs> kids are little wedges. <clears throat> Whatever God has put together, no man put us under. You should have changed that no child should put you asunder. The exhortation is in view of thanksgiving. It was practical. So Paul has declared his thanksgiving for their salvation. The expression of thanksgiving was a personal obligation. The explanation for thanksgiving was their salvation. And the exhortation in view of thanksgiving was practical. These are good things for us. Real good things. As we move along, and we start thinking we're mature. Let's not get too mature. You're like a banana. It has three stages. It's green, it's yellow, and then it's kind of black. Be careful. Stay in the nice yellow stage, okay? Mature, not rotten. May God give us wisdom. 
Pastor Xavier Reese and the power of being thankful. And as always, today's message titled, A Thankful Heart, is available on CD for only $4. And we'll also be including everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is, A Thankful Heart, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. Communication is essential in business, sports, and, of course, marriage. But why is it that far too many hardly ever consider communicating with God? Be sure and tune in next time when Pastor Xavier Reese communicates more simple truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com